actually, we have to start recording at this point, and I'm going to introduce the show. This is What the Fork. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. And the reason that we have to start the show, and we're going to reveal a special guest in a sec, but it's Jason's birthday. Hey! And because of the show that we discuss... <laughs> is that Mochi? No, 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 no. <laughs> I know, I know of your hatred for mochi. I'm gonna write. I'm, I'm to, for the visual record. I'm going to light a very tiny birthday candle with. <laughs> but you should blow this out quickly because it's frozen yogurt because of the oh my show. Goodness, <laughs> but we're not singing happy birthday because we can't afford it. No. Oh no! The copyrights. You can use the copyright now. But oh really? Yeah. It's, it's since when? Uh, since Warner Brothers lost the lawsuit. Oh, good. I think it's been like last year. They Take won. that, WB. <laughs> Warner Music. Says the, says the podcast that frequently steals from NBC all the time. Hey, it's seven seconds. <laughs> so, Thank you, everybody. Happy birthday, Jason. Thank you so much. I, I will actually recommend that, that you eat that. It's, it's just birthday cake yogurt on top of a brownie with some cookie bits and, uh, and, and sprinkles for the birthday. You effect. run, right, Jason? That's, what's that? You run. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I haven't it's since yogurt. I had a newborn. <laughs> it's as, as, okay, let's, now that, now that we've introduced the show and given Jason his yogurt, we have a, our first guest ever, Carly. Ta-da! Carly from, <laughs> from Yab Yum Music and Arts, Yab Yum West. And it's yabyumwest.com, right? Yabyumwest.com. Okay. Yep. Yabyum Music and Arts is just the name of the overarching and media you, yeah. company. Yeah. And if you're driving through the Phoenix area, you can recognize Carly by her vanity plate. I, yeah. I, oh have, I, have, called, I have begun calling it. I actually, I was telling Janelle when I came in, I was trying to, to beat everybody back here. Um, I, I mentioned that uh, I saw the Yabyum mobile. Because I, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's so embarrassing. Like, okay, so uh, you know, God bless Ma. She she was she was proud, proud enough to express it with a vanity plate. Uh, so that was awkward, but yeah. So now people can see me leaving well shows early with yeah. my, you know. Oh, so they, they can they can see us leaving yeah. the shows. They yeah. can uh, watch me jam out <laughs> in my car on the way to work. So super safe. Yeah, there's a lot of and there's a lot of car anonymous. jamming. So, yeah, if you you know they're gonna be like, well, who's playing that? Really, who's playing the Antwerp at like the the top volume at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning, driving on the one hundred and one? You can find out it's me because uh, my name's on the back of the car. Yes. So yes, we'll change that eventually. <laughs> I just I just like that there's a Yabia mobile. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't get me wrong, you've earned it. You do wonderful work over there. <laughs> that that is so. true. Well, we like the work you... Oh, my goodness. Uh, See, I knew it was going to happen. It's my, fine. My, my third mic went limp. If, you got, if we had managed <laughs> to postpone this just a few more days, I would have had my third set of headphones and my third um, desk arm. But Listen, fellas. I we, should have gone sick again. <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> yeah, do podcasting. <laughs> we do community radio. We are well familiar with the... Uh, limpid uh, <laughs> mic situation we've dealt with it we've addressed it i'm prepared for it we got this excellent excellent the least. there's a pill for that you know that right <laughs> I, just, oh, boy. I just tie it up here and it's fine. yes but we're didn't yeah so um under five minutes in and we got the phallic humor well <laughs> 
Yeah. So we're we're big fans of the 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 podcast that uh and uh, of course, we're huge fans of what the of what the fork end of uh, the good place. Yes. So well, we and- started watching the good place as soon as it came out and I thought like who's going to be into this show? Like five people are going to be into this show. Well, and there are, but thankfully what's happened yeah, <laughs> thankfully, is that a network can take five people and be like, eh, it's a successful enough show. Um, I think it's more to, than five. I think more it, than five people are into this show. It is, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's not, it's not like uh, Ted Danson's not seeing his Cheers numbers anymore, um, but nobody's seeing Cheers numbers anymore. So <laughs> I was going to ask you before we got into it, Carly, we were talking about literary journals like off mic before we hit record. Which is unusual for us. Yes, but. we were before we did do, before I dove us quickly into phallic humor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, does Yabium have any like plans to go into like print at all? Or? We actually, I should, I think I might have one with me. Uh, we did. A well, you did the zine. you did the magazine. That's right. So we're doing a, a quarterly zine, but it's like you know, it's like a zine, like a music zine, like a mm-hmm. you know, we like. Is oh. it would you would it be comparable to like the one that Amoeba does, which I always love picking up whenever I'm in or near an amoeba. I certainly hope so. We're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna perhaps put the bar there right now. It, we did our first issue. We're very excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I did read that and I did yeah. enjoy it. So I yeah. Of I course have... I'm biased because I <laughs> I make a brief appearance in it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I, don't do you make a brief appearance in it as well, Jared? I don't know. We did this where writers write section where we kind of asked some uh, local notables and the Phoenix I didn't community. have an answer for you. Oh, you didn't have, I didn't no have an answer because I write. I honestly, probably over the last couple of years, the 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 uh, place I write most frequently and least safely is trying to watch the road with and driving with my left hand I while like I try to jot down. I just, I just told <laughs> you down before we started that notebook. I'm reading JG Ballard right now. That like. If we could not talk about car accidents, yes. like, I'd be more yeah. comfortable. Which, by the way, I want to borrow that when you're done, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I remember me and Amy Young were talking about that book. <laughs> it's a good mm-hmm. book, but it definitely is It's pretty jarring, especially when you have that drive from Chandler to Phoenix to uh, be here for the podcast tonight. And yeah. have you seen the movie? Um, yes, with James Spader, of course. Yes. Yeah, yes, indeed. So, for those who haven't picked up on the... Uh, yeah, uh, Curly's reading Crash by J.G. Ballard, which was made into a... 1998 movie. Was it Cronenberg? Cron- it was Cronenberg. Yeah. 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 That was my gateway into Cronenberg. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Not like The Fly or something? No. So um, the- it's, yeah, it's it's complicated. <laughs> I love I love David Cronenberg. Videodrome is one of my favorite mm. movies ever. I have not seen The Fly. Huh. Because I saw five minutes of The Fly when it first came out, and I was, what, what year did it come out? That was 80-something. Okay, yeah. so I was six or five or something mm-hmm. like that, and I walked in on a particularly gruesome scene and was, you know, mm-hmm. horrified and then escorted out, and my parents resolved the nightmares over the next few years. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, so, so that was a movie that I never really went back to, but mm. I, I'm such a chronic bird fag, and I was like, uh, you should probably do that. At some point. Add that to your list. It was a really long time before I could watch... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because I saw that at a very young age and there was something about like the combination of the monkey brains okay. and mm. the and the like reaching into the chest and pulling out Harrison Ford's heart and and all of the like there was something about it that that uh, that was um, I, I saw that probably when I was five years old and I was like that's 
too much for me. So, And since I'm older than all of you, 41 today. What? <laughs> Happy birthday. Poltergeist was mine. That was... Oh. Poltergeist was intense, man. It is. Like, between... Like the maggots and the meat and like the giant monster and the Indian burial ground and the swimming pool. I freaked out. You know, to this day, I, I, I like psychological horror. So like a, a get out or something like that is great. Mm-hmm. And I like some campy horror. I, I think the evil dead stuff and army of darkness and all yeah. that, but like straight horror, I can't do. I just, there's for some reason, I, I'm just not, I've never been a big gore fan. And... I'm in the same boat, but this, but Poltergeist and mm-hmm. some of these other movies mm-hmm. walk that borderland between yeah. like outright horror, because you're not like seeing people being mm-hmm. executed or tortured. Sure. Or, uh, there is, it's very psychological. There's yeah. a kid trapped in a TV. It's, mm-hmm. it's tormenting, but it's not gory. Hereditary is the same way. It just got, um, it's very psychologically sort of thing going on with like very intimate, like shocking scenes that, and Tony Collette just, if she doesn't get nominated for best actress, like in the Oscars, there's no justice in the world. Well, we know that there's no justice in the world. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and Jared and his writerly ways just is off. I'm just saying in, I'm just saying in, in the entertainment world, there's, there's no, no hope on that side of the table. When, no, this, I, it's, here, it's man. bleak over here. Yeah. I, I am, I'm definitely the Eeyore of the group. So uh, I guess would the good place not be very, uh, I, I, I won't, do you have a good, do you have a, a positive outlook or, a, I mean, you know, just yeah. the idea of an afterlife I figured would be. Well, I see inspired. the thing is that I can I can I can watch the the good place and I can appreciate it from a philosophical standpoint which is perfect because that's that's what they approach it from it's not sure. supposed to be you know a judeo christian idea of an afterlife this is this is something wholly separate right there is mm-hmm. good there's a good place and there's a bad place and thankfully Doug Forsett got it you know 98% <laughs> right or whatever right uh, but that they, you know, there's, there's all of this, this discussion of, you know, moral, uh, gray areas and ambiguity and, and, you know, how you have to, what you have to do to get into the good place and, um, and, and all of that. And it's, it's, so it's interesting to me. And I think that what I like about it is the way that they, um, is the way that they that they approach it without it being uh, it's it's not a religion based idea of mm-hmm. it, which I like. Um, or at least I don't see it that way. I Everyone think elements, got five percent right. Right. I like that they just keep it five percent right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for everyone, I I don't ever feel like <laughs> no one religious group uh, or sect or any belief system is left out in any sort of way. And they keep it towards ethics as opposed to religion anyway. Because religion is such a dumb yeah, topic. It is, it, yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. I'm glad that they don't structure it in that way. I would like mm-hmm. to, you know, all of these, most of these philosophers were structured in a religious philosophy. But right. they remove it from that context to look at the ethical philosophy. And as an atheist who studied religion mm-hmm. and moral philosophy, uh, it's a good way to look at it. You just I'm, take out these parts, like the good and the bad, and the is this good? I don't know. I'm I'm definitely a so 
believer in the social system. So, well, and this is this is one of the 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 reasons that it's great that you're on the show. I I, I my exposure to philosophy is. Uh, the pop culture and philosophy series, like The Simpsons and philosophy, and and Seinfeld and philosophy, that sort of thing. Uh, and then what I've picked up from my mom, who had who got uh, her degree in philosophy and got uh, uh, master's in law and was was working on a PhD in, in philosophy also. And she actually, after she started listening to the show, which I always find horrific, uh, <laughs> the idea of my mom listening to anything I do, but. The uh, she mentioned that that she took classes with the professor who wrote uh, "What We Owe to Each Other," which features prominently, you know, throughout the throughout the the show. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. I had the author ran down somewhere too. Yeah, I should probably know that the contractualism, and I didn't even write down the author, but I. Are we here to spe- discuss a specific episode today? Oh no 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 no! No, we're just gonna. No, no, this is this so this <laughs> is this is our inaugural between seasons episode. Okay. And, so this is kind of G A W D. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh yeah. And I don't know if you've been listening to the show as of late, but Indeed, most of the time I actually, we, I we have not been. Talk, we don't talk about the show much. I was going to bring that <laughs> up. Actually, we, we I do, do spend a lot of time now. Thinking, T.M. Scanlon is the author. Sorry, okay. but yes, I do spend a lot of time thinking about what grocery store it was. Now it's got to be. Jason brought it up. It's got to be a fries, right? Obviously, it has mm-hmm. to be a fries. Uh, I mean, I suppose it could be. I, I suppose it could be uh, like a uh, one of those Walmart neighborhood grocer kind of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm thinking it's got to be a fries. Yeah, yeah. and I just Southern sort of, and McClintock is or Southern and Mill is my vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one used to be my go-to fries when I first oh, yeah. moved here. It's got a nice mixture of like college students and. Uh, People getting those first uh, out of college jobs, and sure. then people trying to fel- sell you food stamps in front of the fries. Yes. So, like, like the combination of those three things, I think. And then you could definitely go across the street to that. I think there's near a liquor store in that same plaza where Yucca Tap is, or the Circle K. There, well, there's a Circle K. But I mean, that's definitely a place that would sell Lonely Girl Margarita. <laughs> <laughs> well, she bought well, the it fries, at the store. Yeah. yeah. The fries are definitely- that's i mean i think that's an interesting that's something that we've actually never hit on before specifically is how do you guys feel about the the portrayal of of phoenix in the good place i think it's always funny when people in the arts shit on phoenix in a funny way because everybody who lives here when Mm. other it's like one of those things where it's like your kid's sister like you can say bad things about her, mm-hmm. uh, but as soon as somebody else says something bad about her, mm-hmm. our tendency as a community is to get really upset. Mm-hmm. Yes, like when the Simpsons yeah. did the ASU joke. Yeah, heaven's easier to get into than ASU. I am. Like, yeah, that's yeah. funny. Come on, yeah, we all, I, everybody who went there yeah. knows those guys. Every yep. those people, you know that that was their college experience. That joke is funny. Mm-hmm. Let's not be so sensitive about yeah. it. Let's mm-hmm. acknowledge that Phoenix is a weird place mm-hmm. with like a ton of weird different people. Yes. And that um, there's layers here. Mm-hmm. There, there, a Shrek it's, onion, if it's, you will. Yes. yes. For the parents it's in the la- room. It layers, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've so, seen Shrek. We have, not, we have not graduated to Shrek yet. We're still on Thomas and Friends. Okay. So <laughs> the, the point, is, I keep trying to push my nephews further faster. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and, and they're but they set their own boundaries, which I think is hilarious. Oh, that's good. As a child, I I would not, I did not acknowledge boundaries. Which pretty much, like, how old are your nephews? Uh, nine and six. So pretty much, when like your oldest nephew turns eleven, that's when you start showing him the dead zone and Videodrome. No, 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 no. He's very <laughs> clear about uh, this is like uh, we. I just I always have a how about the Fantastic Beast series? Mm. Oh, okay. And they're like, you know, this looks like a little too much for us. Yeah. And I was like, really, guys? Come on. I'm trying to like sell it. Like sometimes yeah. you have to be brave, and sometimes this is exciting, and scary things can be okay. And they're like, mm. yeah, we're gonna pass. We're a hard pass on this. Huh. Those are the first ones that were like first Harry Potter type movies that were just rated PG thirteen out of the gate, right? Because like, yeah. like Sorcerer's Stone, that's the first movie, right? Or Philosopher's Jesus, Stone. Jesus, Jason, I don't have fallopian tubes. I don't need to know these things. <laughs> Do you know these? I think things? it is the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, now, now, so my wife is listening. About a week from now, she's like cringing. <laughs> I, I believe it is. It's, I believe it Who is the Sorcerer's Stone. The so I, I, well, I think that it's got to be a generational thing, right? Because when I was, you know, between six and nine, I was a voracious reader, and I there was either kid literature or there was adult right. literature, mm-hmm. and yes. there was not any of this tween or teen stuff, right. or at least not. I mean, there was like. I don't know the you you could say I guess like Sweet Valley High stuff or Which Fear Street I or yeah mm-hmm. I, I I skipped over all of that so I, I I went from Encyclopedia Brown to reading Douglas Adams sure so mm-hmm. I mean and that I don't and I don't think that I I I've read all of Douglas Adams books many many times and. Uh, which is why it was great to see his name when Chris Ayers did the like the monta like little yeah. <laughs> collage of authors, including uh, Camus and Vonnegut and and all of that, to see Douglas Adams there. Uh, but it was like I, I jumped into and I jumped into some science fiction and fantasy stuff too because that was kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, there was I just yeah I don't mm-hmm. know. And as we were discussing the other day, after that, there are after, all these stepping stones now. Yeah. So Disney back in the early eighties used to make like horror movies, and one of the movies that they made, they made a really good adaptation of Bradbury, something like it. This way comes. Yeah. And my dad like rented it for me because it was like he's like it's Disney. I don't care. <laughs> I like Ray, I like Ray Bradbury. I watch it with him and. It didn't freak me out like Poltergeist, but it's creepy as hell. It is I, the whole like the whole like Jonathan Price's <laughs> character, you know, and and it's yeah. Like, I I think that that was a time when when Disney would make some kind of uh, some sort of films that they wouldn't yeah. make for kids now. I don't and think I had one called Watcher in the Woods. Yeah, that's what that I was about one? to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, Watcher in the Woods mm-hmm. was terrifying. Mm-hmm. That was the other one that, that they Davis watched too. Is that just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he, we, we would watch Watcher in the Woods, and there was something wicked this way comes, and I think they stopped after that. And I was so... That second Wizard of Oz movies, guys? 80s, that was oh, yeah. trippy oh, shit. That's like trippy shit. 80s were appalling. The way we were raised in the way... It, it, it was like just no supervision, but we had just entered modernity where it wasn't safe for children anywhere. Yeah. So we were all like... Yeah, yeah, I was thinking like the TV shows that I was watching at the time would have been yeah. MacGyver and the A Team, Knight Rider, mm-hmm. all of these like, 
All, any of the action 80s shows would have been uh, Magnum PI. That was all the stuff I was watching at that time. And I can't, I can't, I mean, I was like 10. I don't think that. Yeah. I think I was like 12 when the first time Twin Peaks came around. And like, holy yeah. shit. Like, mm. Hug those kids from the 80s because seriously, we were like psychologically traumatized. Mm. Oh, we're all fucked up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Totally unsupervised. Mm. Yeah, we were. I was popped out in the Reagan era. <laughs> we were. I mean, I, I can definitely say that there were times where I was raised by television, and I, you know, I, I probably shouldn't. I remember specifically just watching Labyrinth and just being fascinated by puppets and David Bowie's codpiece. There was there was a <laughs> lot of stuff. I mean, I, I I my well, and that was that was one of the, the ways that my mom raised me was pretty much, I, as an example. I she said that I could swear when I knew what it meant. So <laughs> So, you know, when I found out what fuck meant, that's, you know, <laughs> go time. It was go time. Yep. Uh you know, the things like that, but that she was very uh, at least with me, and maybe not so much with my brother because he couldn't handle it, but uh be like more uh you know, trusting of me to be a a, a little adult almost, which is um I don't. I don't necessarily say that was the best way to do things, but uh, it was. It made me expose me to a lot of things that I don't think most kids my age, especially in the eighties, were being mm-hmm. exposed to. Because I, you know, we we had we had cable too, so mm-hmm. uh, you know there was HBO, and there was always somebody was watching AMC or or um, there was Turner Classic Movies wasn't there yet, but whatever the equivalent of that back then was. So I would I was always watching like Woody Allen films, or my mom's favorites were Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. So there was a lot of like that sort of thing, and it was it's almost like it was kind of a shock being. Uh, like in school with other people who I was listening to, you know, more uh, music for for adults. You know, no, I, when grunge was around, I wasn't listening to grunge. I was listening. I was listening to like Elvis Costello mm-hmm. and Nebraska and and uh, getting into Bob Dylan. And people were listening to to Primus and and Metallica and. Pearl Jam and whatnot. So I, think, I like how you sing all. I think that's a pretty normative experience for people <laughs> yeah. in the arts. Is always you know that that you know unreal you know that exposure to the things that were maybe not necessarily the the prevalent right. you know force. I know that uh, we I got my television taken a lot away a lot as a kid for getting into trouble. So <laughs> when the TV was revoked, you know we would have you know I, I read a lot. My dad read a lot. So at a certain point, I remember being eight and feeling that I was old enough for adult books and then having that conversation, you know, mm-hmm. he had this book that he was reading um, that he would like, you know how those cult books became really popular in the 80s, like the experience of the child cult? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. 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 So it was one of those books, it was Michelle Remembers, it was one of those mm. cult books where like the kid gets tortured, the whole thing. So my dad would hide it under mm. his recliner when he went to work, you know, so that I couldn't find this book and read mm. it. <laughs> Um, but I was very insistent that I be allowed these things. So I, I read the book, I got in trouble, had nightmares, and then, uh, you know, was then allowed to read adult literature, but there was some conversations about what that literature sure. should be. And my, I remember my dad had, like, those Anne Rule books sometimes, and I'd, like, look through those, and he, like, was, like, into, like... 
Oh, like the true crime stuff? Yeah, like true crime stuff and like cults and stuff. Green River Murder and... Mm-hmm. Like or, there was yeah. one, like the Believers, I think, where it was like an alien cult or something or... Huh. It was weird. But my dad would also... Like my dad we also go to the bookstore like every like Monday and Thursday and just pick up like a slew of magazines. And one of the ones he would always pick up is like Premiere. Oh. Which was like... Like the big movie magazine, it was just amazing. Um, and I would read these like glorious, like descriptions of like movies that I would never get to see. Um, and between that and then going to like back when there was blockbuster videos, they used to just give you a catalog mm-hmm. of like all the videos they would have available that you could order. And we just read these descriptions, like, oh, I remember, like I getting the Suncoast like catalog, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. 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 I, it's it's interesting. So I think that this ties nicely into the good place. And, well, no, it does. And here's what here's why. Hear okay. me out. Hear me out. Okay. And 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 shows shows kind of like that. The the shows that that we get on 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 uh, on, on Netflix and the other you know, these these are the shows that are being made by the people our age now, pretty mm-hmm. much. Sure. And so there's there's this kind of humor out there. And this kind of of you know writing that I think is informed by the people that were exposed to what we were exposed to as kids, and that's you know it seemed like for a while there there was not a lot out there in the television landscape that I felt like was for me or that I was terribly interested in. Mm-hmm. I think the last show you know and and excluding the final season. I think the last NBC show that I was really excited about prior to Parks and Recreation had been Scrubs. Mm-hmm. And because I thought that there was some some smart humor in it and uh you know it was before Zach Braff started wearing on everyone and huh. there was great music mm-hmm. in it and you know and, and and but you know fast forward another 10 years later or so and we get these things like the office, which I'm finally starting to watch because I'm giving it another chance after I wrote it off because I didn't think it was as good as the British version. Um, and, and parks and rec and stuff like glow or orange is the new black or these, these shows that I don't think we've gotten to this media landscape where you can have a show like the good place on a network like NBC and they'll renew it for another season, which means, Hey, we're probably going to get to 50 plus episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if we, if we, if we maintain our friendship throughout yes. uh, <laughs> frozen yogurt every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Toasting. Yeah. <laughs> frozen yogurt teenies. Um, but it's, it's this, you know, this, uh, there was, it's, and I'm sure that that as somebody who has to, for their job, watch the music scene also, there's always this kind of slow dinosaur mentality towards catching up with what consumers, how consumers are actually consuming, right? Sure. Because people are hanging on to the, the record label model for far too long. You know, obviously publishers, all of the, the large kind of conglomerate type stuff is either consolidating into a single thing owned by Disney or Sony or um or you're getting a bunch of small startup companies mm-hmm. that are fulfilling these these 
needs and managing to survive because if you have something that enough people are interested in, you can kind of make a go of it at this mm -hmm. point. It, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of ties into this yes. too because – which um, I was so happy to watch the new episode. Yes, the it's night. so good. <laughs> um, where it's where it's definitely written by someone who is my age because I, as much as I um, like can reference Die Hard as much as Jake Peralta has, yes, I end up and looking like Charles and being weird. <laughs> <laughs> Boyd, <laughs> yes, but um, and it's Boyle. Yeah, and, that's right. and I was thinking, I just read um, Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is like a like a, yeah, I've been wanting to read that one. of 2001 to 2011 music, like the New York scene, mm -hmm. and just how every every label bent over backwards to sign the Strokes and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, not realizing that already people who were already knew about the Strokes that they were already illegally downloading their EP, and everyone sure. was so ignorant of it. Yeah, whereas like. That's how kids are getting, and I've brought this up on the show. Like, it says how kids like half our age are now getting into the office and are now getting into the good place because they'll catch it on Netflix mm -hmm. and they'll think it's like the new shit where I was like watching. The <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, I was yeah. watching the office 15 years ago. Yeah, well, let me get off my porch. <laughs> I well, but I mean. I don't know. It's it's great, right? Mm -hmm. Because and yeah, I don't. To be totally honest, if we're going to be totally honest, and mm -hmm. I might get kicked out of the room for this, I actually hate sitcoms. I hate sitcoms. I hate the format of sitcoms. Get out! <laughs> Just a situational comedy. Um, you hop in your van, you play yeah. car right now. Get in the Yabamobile <laughs> and ride on out. <laughs> it's just. You know, like, I just feel like my whole life is wasted 30 minutes for a laugh. And uh, for, like, there are shows that I've liked that have definitely been, I think, in, like, you know, I like the British version of The Office. And, uh, you know, I have, I'm sure, I'm sure the American version has its its stellar moments because it's definitely part of the meme economy sure. that I support. Mm -hmm. Um and so I like those moments of humor. I think we should laugh more. I like that sitcoms do that for a lot of people. Ironically, it doesn't really do that for me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some, but certain things hit like The Good Place. I like Kimmy Schmidt too. Mm -hmm. Kimmy Schmidt's great. Kimmy but Schmidt's it, good. It, yeah. You know, there were so there were certain things that that did like even my friends will be like, you should watch this, and I'd be like, I really don't. I really don't feel like I should watch that. So as a Kimmy Schmidt fan, do you like Thirty Rock too? Okay, so once again, it's one of those things that has its moments, but I mm. feel like I'm wasting mm -hmm. a large portion of my life for a laugh that's, that could be delivered in another way. Like, you know, that that in a more engaged way than mm -hmm. a sitcom. A sitcom, See, I think, is like a way of checking out. I so, find myself returning to it more and more now, though, as I feel like I have less and less time to sit and pay attention to and enjoy something. Because you're super high stress and you need that moment to like vacate self. There's there's that, and then just the you know like, you know, I was working on editing stuff for Hoot and Waddle up until like eight o'clock last night, basically, sure. or doing sending out emails or doing this or that, and at eight o'clock on a Sunday night to relax before I have to face my day job on yeah. Monday, um, I was happy to sit down and watch Psych. Yeah, I'm yeah. totally devoid of judgment on this front. And you have to understand, I have watched some truly shit television. <laughs> I mean, like, there is not... 
there is not like any judgment in my place about the sitcom, about the format. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in general, uh, you know, I like stand up. And it's always one of those yeah. things where you're like, oh, you like stand up, but you don't like. Well, no, I can definitely no, no, see different. a disconnect there. I, the there's, there's a difference. And I'm very specific about the stand up that I like. I don't like a lot of stand up. There's, there's. I also don't like reinforced stereotypes. So, right. In a certain way, yes. that's the, I think a lot of sitcoms em- embrace this, uh, you know, proud to be stupid idea. Well, we've talked about this. Even a, a show that I thought was super smart when I saw it when it first aired, like Frasier, there are very cringeworthy moments to oh, me. Oh, yeah. In there now. And I keep getting. As I keep going in further in, like I'm thinking I'm on season seven now. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's just. <laughs> It, it, so much like there's so much homophobia there's a lot of stereotyping there's a lot of you know and uh, it, it's it's yeah. somehow just stuff that when i was watching it in the 90s i didn't it just didn't occur to me that this was something that was not sure you know mm-hmm. we're in a pay, we're in like an era of hyper elevated human sure. change where mm-hmm. you know Three years is going to be different from three years, which is going to be different from three years. Mm-hmm. Nobody can envision the next three years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you can't think about it, just go back by three or go back by five. Well, and, and what's interesting, too, is yeah. like as somebody who I like to think I'm a, a very liberal person, I, I like to think that I am very open to however anybody wants to live. And I, I feel like I am. But there's also this sort of... You know, especially as somebody who grew up when PC became a term, I, you know, the I felt awful the first time that I just could not get it into my head that somebody wanted to be referred to as they or them instead of of he or she. You know, as soon as we started, as soon as people wanted to, and and thankfully it's 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 finally ingrained in my head, and I I can mm-hmm. do it without having to think about it anymore. It's it's you know, anytime that there's a shift like that. It's it's I there's it's probably because of of the the you know ingrained Jewish neuroticism that I have is that you know I'm like oh my god have I gone through like this whole my whole thirty six years offending people at this point or you know it's it's and then there's I guess there's just the idea of trying to do better now forward sure I, have you by chance have any of you listened to the late, I think it was Fresh Air last week, where no. Terry Gross interviewed Kevin Hart. No. And so Kevin Hart got grossed or terried. Um, mm-hmm. We can call it whatever you want. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. But they're talking about like the, these jokes he made like a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it just got to the point where Terry's just like, I don't want to rehash it, but it's like, what it, like it? They kind of went over. Is this funny? Mm-hmm. And it's and to hear Kevin Hart explain. Um, well, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, oh, for one, sorry, Kevin Hart, you're, you've never been funny. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but that's neither here nor there. But um, it's like ten years ago because of the way he was raised and um of the time, which seems like so like he honestly thought that he wasn't hurting anybody and that those jokes he was selling was funny. Sure. Of course, now he's been around the world. He's been a little more cultured or his, his excuse anyway, or his ex- explanation. So 
he doesn't tell those kind of jokes anymore because he realizes it does offend people. Mm. Um, but then I got like, Terry's like, I don't even want to like, I just want like, what makes it funny? Like, like does offending like a whole group mm-hmm. of people making fun? And he's like, yeah. and he was like, yeah, I was ignorant of it at the time. But yeah, yeah. No. that is funny. Mm-hmm. It is funny. Not to offend necessarily a specific, you're always offending some group. I sure. Mean, I don't think you want to necessarily isolate people by race and then make fun of them. Sure. That's a whole different thing again. In today's culture, uh, same by, you know, gender preferences mm-hmm. yeah. you know, or even to refer to it as preferences or there's, it, it, we're constantly changing. Humor is mm-hmm. constantly changing. I think, you know, having, c- c- holding comedians accountable for jokes that they were made in a certain time, it depends on how, I think holding Kevin Hart accountable for saying something like, why does he have to support the gay com-? You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. have to see himself as an ally or, mm-hmm. you know, those remarks I think were more upsetting to me than maybe jokes he made 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But sure. I'm also like, I, I'm also of the mind that we should be making jokes about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. The more uncomfortable it is, the more we should joke about them until that it's like commonplace knowledge. Yeah. I, I agree with that to a point, but I also think, you know, if there's, there's a, there's a sensitivity level, I, I still, yeah, you know, I, as but somebody, a, a good time rape joke is mm-hmm. still funny. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you can, like you time it right, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny. I I I think that that um, as again as, as having grown up at a time when it was socially acceptable to refer to something as gay derogatorily, it's uh, you know. And would never even cross my mind at this point to 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 do that, you know. But (laughs) I, it's it's there's it's this comes up frequently, and then I actually really want to get back to the good place. By the way, Um, it it comes up frequently when uh, Jenna Duncan and I talk about like Louis C.K. Because he was somebody that I thought was funny. I, th- you know, I, I still think that there. I think that in in a lot of respects, that the stuff that he has written is is really good stuff that that offers a lot of insight into the human condition and on on a level on his level really. But, you know, I certainly don't agree with actions that he's done. And and I don't think that his recent attempts to make a sort of comeback um, were <laughs> were good <laughs> uh, or or even funny, but you know, do you at you? There's this, um, and I think that actually Jason Woodbury posted or shared this article about a woman who um, had to come to terms with whether she could. Uh, continue to enjoy Woody Allen's work mm-hmm. um, in light of what he has or has not done. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, how how do we separate, you know, I was a kid who grew up and loved the Cosby show. Yeah, It's, you know, how do you, where do you, how, you know, how far back does this go? Do we allow, do we allow people's actions that we find about out, you know, either in the moment or even historically, does that then take away our ability to enjoy things that we've enjoyed, you know, for decades. 
I, I can even to that point too. I even caught myself watching Rosemary's Baby like a few months ago. Like, mm. oh shit, this is Polanski. Mm-hmm, um, Chinatown, yeah, one of the oh best God, fucking yeah. films of all time. Yeah, but you guys, you have to separate your. I mean, if you read Saint Augustine, I mean, there's so many. You go through the history, sure. of philosophy, of art, of music, of everything. And if you cannot separate the creation from the creator, mm-hmm. you are screwed. You are left with like yeah. two yeah. things to read. Isn't that and, like? Isn't have you ever seen Quills about Marquis de Sade with Jeffrey yes. Rush? Yes. Like, isn't yeah. that the whole point of the movie? <laughs> like, yeah. like he's that's a cre- still a hard one for to, for me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching it in twenty years, man. I just <laughs> yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but there's something to be said for yeah. I don't know. There's a there's a compulsion to create. I think. Um, with sitcoms, it play uh, too often plays to the proud to be stupid group. Sure, and I mm. like that the good place does seemingly mm-hmm. the opposite. Yeah, it encourages you to think beyond the confines of the show. Well, but again, mm-hmm. I think that that the good place. I see. I I this is where my argument for the sitcom stems from because I watched a lot of sitcoms. There was a lot that I thought was really dumb. You know, I, my favorite ones growing up were, you know, stuff that I was probably too young to really get at the time, but I, I loved Mad About You because I thought it was a great, you know, picture of an adult relationship. I loved Seinfeld because of the absurdity of it. The Larry Sanders show, I oh, think, God, is, yeah. is, you know, genius comedy. And, you know, uh, another comedy that was afraid, to, not afraid to be not funny. <laughs> You know, and the good place, I think, also is walking that line of yes, there's a lot of absurdity in it, but there's also a lot that is, you know, it's part of it is uh, is an uncomfortable laughter, also. Mm-hmm. And you not know. to give too much into like to, to your point, mm-hmm. um, not to get to reveal too much into what happened in the last few episodes of the season. But amazing like, episodes yes it was we'll eventually get but to. <laughs> even like last the episode that aired last uh thursday the one that just came back from hiatus just, yeah yeah um very clearly is making a strong point about the state of things today oh that and, was that was, yeah, that was like blatant. a now now <laughs> episode did you have you seen the new episode the newest one yeah mm-hmm. okay so we won't talk about it too much yeah. but as soon as you watch it it's like okay they they're very thinly making this yeah. comedy yeah this is this is a, very... a straight commentary on on things going on right now sure. well, I, w- I would hope a show with such more appropriate would mm-hmm. yeah you know, take a moment to perhaps pause. and that's the thing i think a lot of the show <laughs> makes it very real like there's very there's a lot of very real moments in the show that make you think about um, perhaps your own moral situation well mm-hmm. and what's what's interesting i think too what's what's fantastic is that two of the people two of the main people who are in what is revealed to be the bad place at the end of the first season are somebody who um, who did a lot of philanthropic work and somebody who devoted their entire life to ethics, you know? But <laughs> the, and it's, it's, it comes down to that motivation. Where does it come from? 
you know, Tahani is competitively philanthropic mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and Chidi is, is, is a thinker to a point where it paralyzes him, you know, so that these things that we, you know, a pursuit of truth or a pursuit of, of, you know, a study of, of right and wrong and ethical and moral behavior is not, you know, what, what is a, a good well, what's your moral life. failing, Jared? Probably apathy. You know what, do you know what yours is? Think about it. <laughs> Where do I begin? Okay. I, <laughs> your, your biggest I, yeah. moral failing. I, I would say that, um, that, that I frequently fall on, on the, that, that spectrum of somebody else will take care of it. Yeah. Oh I yeah. am. Man. I was thinking about this too, is that I am. I'm cheaty where I have to pull go back and forth so much in my head that I end up not doing anything and I'll be the guy who's like, don't take care of it. You know what? I used to be I, I very much more so than I have become in the last few years. I used to be the kind of person that would that's in that exercise where somebody will be like will collapse on the ground and in a crowd and assume, well, it's a crowd, somebody in this crowd will take care of it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be me. Over, you know, the last few years, I've moved more towards the person of, shit, nobody's taking care of this. I'm right <laughs> here. I, I better see if this person is okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember um, I, I used to be the guy who, like, if there was a cause I cared about, I would donate money to it. Mm-hmm. I would volunteer. I would march in the street mm-hmm. and protest. And I call it and a, like... It didn't work. <laughs> um, I and I gave up too easy. <laughs> I he, there's huh. I have my main disconnect. I think is that, and this is my problem. Generally speaking, with either with either extreme, whether it's political parties or whether it's uh, you know religious doctrine or atheism or you know carnivores and vegans. I I I have this this pro- there to me there is a gray area. Mm-hmm. There's always something in between. Neither extreme can ever be fully correct and I don't want to be preached to about somebody's point of view. I want to be left to make my own choices and decisions on things. I don't, you know, I don't need I, I don't want also somebody telling me that I'm wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> because I don't subscribe to their belief system one way or another. And I fall on the, I'm perfectly fine with somebody being an atheist or a Christian or a practicing Christian or a practicing Jew or whatever. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. I'm not going to stand there and try to convince them that their way of thinking is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My my philosophy is, if it doesn't hurt me, then I don't care. The, but the problem that we you run into with this, <laughs> the problem that we run into with this is that I think that this mentality, unfortunately, is is what leads to Nazi Germany. You know, there's if there's enough apathy, if there's enough looking the other way, if there's enough, you know, this is and this is what what this is what allows for the current presidency as well mm-hmm. yes is that there is enough of a of a you know i it's it just it seeps it's in. not me yeah so 
Yeah. So back to your to your question, your original question, what is my moral failing? A, uh, it would be two things. One, I voted for Nader. You best. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I did listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're yeah okay. So immediately. So immediately, I'm out. Yes. Yeah. So. So. You're the bridge man. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't apologize. I'm not, I won't apologize. See, now I never I never had any expectations of a good like of achieving a good place. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know. No, I, I'm I'm firmly in the camp of I I I think that when we're done, we're done. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I, I'm, I'm not force it my way through this. So I'm curious, though. No, no, no. I meant morally. I no. never expected well, as a hedonist. I never expected aspirations. If there is a good and bad, I just assume mm-hmm. I'm on the dark side. So I'm curious oh, really? about your point of view as an atheist. Okay. On on this show and what it the like the fact that there is this good place and this bad place. Sure. Like, about how I can uh, accept the construct for the sake of humor in the course of a television show? Or do I believe in the possibility because... I don't know. You know, as an atheist, I have to say, uh, being without, like, a a deity or without a god or without a construct of mm-hmm. this is necessarily what happens, I have to say that I am very science fiction. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, where religion failed me... Um, uh, Frank Herbert took up and others uh, as well. So uh, let's say I'm open to the possibility, mm-hmm. you know, that there may be a, a, a continuation of consciousness or okay. some sort like of a singularity something, theory or... something or a multiverse or a, who even knows. All I know is that I am open to the possibility that the abyss is not quite an abyss. I I have problems with that. I, the, I, even though I would not, I don't, see, I, I don't consider myself an atheist, but I have a real problem with, you know, I think that there are some things that are unknowable. I sure. think that there are, that they're just, that's, there are some unexplainable things and, and that's just the way it is. And it's, that it's, that as soon as you can kind of like, let that idea into your head, at least for me, it was much easier to get along. (laughs) Okay, so Maimonides presented this idea, negative theology. You can't say what God is, you can only say what it isn't. Mm. Because you can't know it. It's totally unknowable. Sure. Mm -hmm. So rather than being like, oh, well, this is, you know, what waits for us in the afterlife, or this is what God is like, or anything like that. You can't say that. You can only say what it isn't. I know God is not a book or a place. Mm -hmm. I know heaven is not, you know, you can say what things are not, but mm-hmm. you can't really, uh, you know, express what it is because it is unknowable. And so all we can do is speculate. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I, I've, I've had, I, again, I keep saying it's, it's my, I always find one phrase that I just keep repeating throughout a podcast. It happens invariably. And sometimes it's invariably. Um, but, <laughs> But as I get older, it appears to be the one for this. As I get older, I, I find that I envy people a little bit who are able to have faith in something. Mm-hmm. That I think that there must be some sort of comfort in it. Mm-hmm. And I just am never able to to cross that bridge. There's There, uh, there have actually been times more and more frequently since I, I hit my mid-30s where I'm like, 
you know, I, I kind of actually enjoyed such a, some of the ritual of Judaism growing up. I didn't recognize that I enjoyed it, but now as, as a 36 year old, I am like, there's, there's some of that, that I, I kind of miss. And I think that, um, possibly some of that is because of some OCD tendencies, but (laughs) there's, I, I, I still don't believe in the, in, in the religiosity of it. I don't believe in the, uh, the, the theism necessarily, but I do, there's something about, you know, the, the act or the, of, of like, saying a Shabbat prayer or saying, uh, you know, talking about the, the history of the Maccabees or something when oh, I was sure, a sure, kid, sure. you know, there's, there's some of that stuff that, that I, I find myself being more and more interested in, but also still being like, nah. See, I, I'm an atheist who celebrates everything. I'll celebrate absolutely anything. Christmas, Hanukkah, Mm. Uh, Tuesday, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever we're pulling out flags, whatever we're doing, I'm into it because mm-hmm. I think I believe, you know, humans, especially in the in the shape of the year, there should be ritual to mark occasions to pass the passage of seasons, um, mm-hmm. the start of new years, birthdays. Everything should be celebrated. Sure. You know, life mm-hmm. is dismal enough. Let's ritualize things. Let's celebrate things. Let's mark movement of time in the passage of life Mm -hmm. so i'm a huge fan of rituals so i've been in like for an atheist for somebody who is not anchored to one particular faith because Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. um i have participated in some weird off the wall you know like yeah uh, you know things to it's fun i think i think there should be a strong element i think a strong element of ritual is um you know, it can be important in life, in structuring life. I And as someone like you, so I, as I'm sure we've talked about many times on the podcast, I grew up Mormon. Um, and when I moved out of the house and learned the things on my own, I, I definitely disagree with a lot of aspects of it. Um, a, it's, it's ability to not include people and groups and things of that nature. And as, um, before my mom passed away, um, I really didn't have much of a belief in it anymore. And I think we were talking about, you were talking about how you find some comfort in religions. While my mom passed away, I didn't want her to think that, oh, she just ended. Mm. Um, so I really fell back into it hard. And then I then married my first wife. I, I divorced and remarried my current wife. And when I found out when things weren't I, I think that that's something that you have to watch out, that whole my current wife thing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you may just yes. want to, my yeah. wife. <laughs> and Kristen current, thanks you current for Current implies yeah. that, yeah. So my, so my, my ex-wife, um, uh, um, when things were starting not to work out so well w- with my ex-wife and I, with my ex-wife and I, um, we were having problems having kids in a religion that like is about family. Sure. Um, like I didn't feel comfort. I felt challenged and I felt myself pushing myself away from that religion again. Mm. Um, so the comfort that I once felt there, I wasn't feeling anymore. And I started pushing myself away again. Um, I feel like 
I feel like I'm kind of maybe somewhere in the middle where I think agnostic is maybe the way. Sure. Where I feel like there has to be something because there are moments where I do feel spiritual and comfort and I can't explain why other than my brain chemistry. Um, maybe the medications kick in or something or, (laughs) you know, there, there are, there's something also though, what, and this is probably where my love of science fiction comes from is that Mm -hmm. when I was pretty young, my grandfather would have discussions with me about, you know, one, one in particular that's always stuck with me was that he, he was like, we could, you know, who knows what existence is? Who knows if this is all that's out there? We we could be all living inside a small like microcosm that's underneath the thumbnail of some larger being. Mm-hmm. You know, sure the fishbowl theory. Sure, we don't, we yeah. Don't see the fishbowl. Yeah, we could exactly. be hooked up to wires and living a simulation. I, yeah, you know, it's yeah. pretty strange. I came down here to talk about the good place and <laughs> fun, exciting comedies and. You know, for the mortician's daughter, mm-hmm. I thought we would be like kind of this would be a different theme for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's just because I'm in the room that it always circles back no, to death. No, some of our conversations just do death? this. I mean, the show is basically anchored. <laughs> Again, in death. I did mention that I, I was raised Jewish, right? Death right. is is heavy in 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 my uh, yeah. And I'm someone who <laughs> just waits for something bad to happen anyway. So I mean, wow, guys. I was raised by two Catholics, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, we we've we've been talking for about an hour, and 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 I, there are some things that I want to get to, and I want to not want to I I want to not have one of our marathon two hour episodes. So, <laughs> um, and our cat Susu just headbutted my foot, so that also should say I think she's telling us to hurry up. But I'm curious, as our inaugural between seasons guest. Yes. Um. So so no pressure, but this is kind okay. of like the the sort of 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 format, uh, genesis, if you will, of what my idea was for doing a hiatus episode, so we can kind of take a little bit of a break between seasons. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm curious, as as somebody who has watched The Good Place, and um, I, I think you've listened to our show, at least on Indeed. occasion, uh, what what do you, as, as somebody who watches the show and then listens has listened to our commentary on it, or lack thereof, <laughs> like, what what uh, what are your overall, and, and please pull no punches, don't worry about hurt feelings, I do are tend to cry a little bit. Are you going to ask me for feedback live right I, now? I, you know what, I am, because I also believe in honesty and podcasting. I'm just, you know, you know to you be wanna, honest, I feel a little cornered here. If, if you want to phrase it as, what do you wish we would do a little more, or a little less, or, or you know, do we, you know... I have a reputation for being cruelly... Honest. You know what? And then you invite. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Um, I can't you? take it, but I I would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I invited it, and yeah, I'm okay. just curious. Here, here's the thing I need to start with. Okay. This is the first time that I've listened to a show based on a show. Mm. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, mm-hmm. you know, limited engagement. Other shows that I've listened to, they're more interview based. They're more conversational. Sometimes sure. they're. Mm-hmm. 
you know, tutorials, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but a lot of different things. This is the first time where I'm kind of listening to a show based on a show. So I feel like we're having a water cooler conversation mm-hmm. about The Good Place, yes. one of my favorite shows. So you, so I get to watch the show, and then we kind of talk about the episode, except I can't interject, which is really kind of frustrating for me. <laughs> so first I would like to say that not being able to interject my thoughts is a problem. Okay. Um, but So we need to go interactive. No. Keep, write that down, Jason. <laughs> if you could find a way to make this like a live. No, I'm There's kidding. a website. But, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Twitter. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. So, people so interacting guess, that way. People like talk for free on it. You know, it's amazing. Like, <laughs> like when I'm listening to the show and you say something like what supermarket in the valley is. Mm-hmm. I want to shout out yeah. Southern and Mill. And uh, it's just not an option. I'm so happy you picked that one, by the way. See, I don't think that you should let that hold you back. I listened to, uh, to well, mostly Matt Myra's commentaries on other shows, but James Bonding and uh, Star Trek The Next Conversation, and... <laughs> And I'm always sh- I'm always shouting these things out. Yeah. It just yeah, that's part um, of the fun for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I mean I like that I like that we're just we're, we're kind of going off of some of the themes in the show and you know really what I'm here to talk about is Janet and why there needs yes. to be more Janet focus. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and it seems I, again no spoilers or anything, but. I think that the Season writers, I think the Janet. writers are are trying to give us yes. our Janet fix, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know Darcy Carden is is a is a national treasure. Yeah, she's a she's tremendous performer. Seriously, one of the funniest people. Uh, we did name our server Janet, so mm. if you're trying to hack into my website, please don't. But Janet <laughs> is our server. I um, think, and I think what they're really trying to do is, a, I think they picked up that. Jan is part of the appeal of what she'll do. Yeah. And they're really trying hard not to make her the Urkel. Well, that's... Oh, yes. Well, and I think they're they're so far succeeding in that. Yeah. Okay. Let me just say this. Janet is the everyman of this show. Yes. She mm-hmm. is... Or every person. All of us in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> good job, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm not, as she says, I am not a girl. Um, yes. She is... Um, you know, we're all in this point of being totally over inundated with information, but it doesn't necessarily help us function as humans. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to come to terms with how to be human in this postmodern, highly digital, overly informed era. Sure. And so that we all have this Janet quality that mm. Darcy Carden really, you know, mm. we all we all kind of lean in and I'm going to ask you guys who you are on the show, mm. what combo I want percentages. <laughs> so start thinking, Okay. Um, you know, what is it? We all relate to certain characters. We all have, Oh, you know, well, I'm mainly cheaty, but you definitely like some hardcore Eleanor thrown in. <laughs> you know, there's like a mixture of like things that, that make each one of us in all of these characters. But I think the base of all of us is that sort of that void of Janet. Mm, we're all yes. living in we're all mm-hmm. essentially the void of janet yes so maybe maybe this whole journey of the good place is actually just jur- the journey of janet coming to be human yeah <laughs> as well, we all try to be human in the 21st century i will say that i i relate so much to eleanor and just the way that really i do and just the way that like at least um and I relate to Eleanor a lot, but I aspire to be Jason Mendoza or 
We've it, talked it, about this a little yeah. bit, and it's that quality mm-hmm. of him being just completely fine with who he is. Yes. He is the... Yeah, <laughs> the Mark he, Anderson. That's yes. <laughs> he's, he is the one person on the show who is so unapologetically himself mm-hmm. that I adore that so much. Um, and it's amazing how he the actor pulls it off that authenticity mm-hmm. of who he is. I mean, I keep in mind, um, I, I don't aspire to be Jason in any other way other than I just want to, I, I want to like call back to that a little bit because as much as my laughter at Phoenix is kind of like uncomfortable, <laughs> uh, anytime they zing Florida, I'm like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Take that Florida. <laughs> I would say like, as much as a, as much as, so as a transplant, as someone who grew up in Detroit, lived in Milwaukee and then somehow ended up in Phoenix, mm-hmm. I'm pretty indifferent to the digs at Phoenix. But I also <laughs> do know so they take equally, if not stronger, digs at Florida. Mm-hmm. And this is from a guy who... Florida deserves it. It's America's wang. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> no, there's a... You guys... And then, like... Arizona. I also... But, and I love this place. Mm-hmm. I love the desert. I love I love this town. Mm-hmm. But, man, there's some jokes that could be made about I'm this I'm sure place. that everybody from Florida is like, oh, but take that, Arizona. <laughs> so, I'm okay with it. But then, like, I also like dogma... And that takes some really good pot shots at Milwaukee, which is a scene oh sure I yeah. Love. So, but um, the last great Kevin Smith movie. Yeah, I mean it does have a giant shit monster in it. So I mean <laughs> shit demon. Kolgatha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I honestly think, and and I think that there are some people that would agree that I'm I'm a lot cheaty. Um, I can, I can talk myself out of anything. It's funny. There's, I, I would say that I have a cheaty quality in that I, uh, there's a tendency, I'm sure we all want to, uh, you know, like there's a tendency to overthink the morality of a situation. Mm-hmm. The difference between me and cheaty is that I am very decisive mm-hmm. <laughs> and very assertive. So like, I don't, it doesn't lead me to indecision. I evaluate moral things. I feel I make the decision that is, in my view, morally sound, and then I run with it. And I mean, I run with it. And it's just like, you know, to the point of uh, maybe a lack of... This is the moment where I realize that this is a podcast, so whatever I say is going to then be put out into the ether forever. Forever. Right. (laughs) As I've learned, Jared does not edit. Yeah, <laughs> editing, I don't know. Editing is for suckers. A lack of, you know, like a yeah, you know, I can be uh, harshly critical. So you're saying that you're you you have. So are you like Eleanor with Chidi Rising? I would say I'm like I'm like Eleanor with maybe uh, what is the name of the um. Hmm? I keep thinking, what is the name of the the actress who plays the judge? Oh, Maya Rudolph? Yeah. Maybe hmm. like Chidi with a mean Maya Rudolph streak. Hmm. Yeah. And she likes burritos. I do. I, 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 I do love enjoy a quality Maya burrito. Rudolph. Well, we can't talk about that. That's season two. Oh. Spoiler, Maya Rudolph is in I'm season two. We're, sure we're in the intermediary space. And, yeah. However, I think 
and this is just we're just saying she's in the second season. I'm yeah. just saying. Yes. But also, I like to think that the people who are listening to our podcast right now have, are, are are either watching or caught up. I don't think anyone's. I don't think we can take that for granted, though. Right. I think that there are some people mm-hmm. who either heard of the show through us. I think mm-hmm. there might be a few. Yep. Or there are people who um, who started listening to it maybe after beginning <laughs> to watch it on Netflix and they had yeah. only watched the first season. Although I think that you know mostly what I hear from people is once they start watching it, they just watch all the way through because there's only 13 episodes yeah. a season. And then there's my dad who came because his son is in it mm-hmm. and likes the you know witty banter between my me sparkling and Mr. sparkling humor <laughs> wit and and um. And then thinks, maybe I'll watch that show someday, but wrestling's on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. Going back to mentioning like Star Trek The Next Conversation real quick, they have they have a fan who just listens for the interplay between Matt and Andy and has never seen an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Wow. <laughs> That's um, success. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. So I, I would say I would say if we have listeners like your dad, I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, do I think that, that everybody should watch this show? Yeah. I mean, I, do I think everybody will get the, the good place? No. <laughs> um, well, I think it's pretty accessible. I, I think that what I like, there's a lot of layers to the humor where there's a lot that's like back to the onions, readily accessible. <laughs> sure. You know, the onion is a metaphor in so many ways for mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the show is like, is really accessible. You're going to see like flying shrimp and <laughs> those things happening in the first season that uh, are engaging in one way. And yeah. there's a lot of, you know, but then there's that subtle humor that, that carries along as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, it'll be interesting, you know, to just comment briefly, um, getting into the second season as we will in, in a matter of, you know, weeks, uh, is that there can never be another first season of of this show? There, you know, the they roll they rode this conceit all the way to the end of the first season before revealing that it is not what we think it is. Um, and was that so, a reveal, guys? Eh, no, but I did watch on a, on repeated watches. Um, like pick up more clues earlier on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the time they got to, to the end of the season, I, I had a good idea what was going to happen, but I, yeah, I, I knew about two minutes into the last episode, the first time I watched I'm like, it's the bad place. But we talked for a really long time on the last episode of the first season <laughs> about Ted Danson's turn mm-hmm. where he's like, where one moment he's the Michael that everybody knows and loves and is, you know, this, this, um, although again, I think he geniusly throughout the first season, like showed little cracks in his demeanor where he was not the happy, shiny, everything's okay, Michael person. But as he is sitting there with like his legs crossed and his like head in his hands and then revealing with the evil grin and the, (laughs) you know, the, that's a terrible impersonation of Tadanza's laugh. But Mm -hmm. when he turns into I'm Michael from the bad place, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's the, just to watch his face turn. It's, it's, 
absolute fucking genius. So here's my theory on that, which by the way, um, I know you, I know you hate sitcoms, but you should definitely give cheers, maybe a watch or two. Oh, I grew up on cheers. Okay. 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 You can stay. You can stay. Um, but uh, um, an hour and eleven minutes later, you can stay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, when uh, your my, invitation is <laughs> when my plane was rerouted over the Atlantic from Paris, and we were in Boston. The one thing we went, we we did. Oh, go stop that cheers! Oh, good, yeah. nice. So there you go, fellas. <laughs> so when he's got his head in his hand and he's lamenting about how he's messed up this neighborhood, he's not lamenting the fact that um, he's not playing out act he is actually upset because he knows sean's gonna be pissed at his experiment. oh there's that yeah his experiment has like gone way off the rails and eleanor keeps thwarting it over and over again yeah yeah there i mean there's that but i there's i think some of that is retconned a little bit in the second season mm-hmm. i think we'll get into that keep in mind I, I came up with this theory literally two minutes ago <laughs> you know what that's not bad for two minutes yeah i don't know i just I don't. They, maybe they haven't finished pulling all the punches yet. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Which, which I think leads into kind of another thing we want, maybe want to talk about is that they did renew it for a fourth season. Yes, which I did talk about very briefly means we get to cross the fifty episode mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, how do you think this is? We don't have to morph into a, a, yeah. a glow discussion yet. But like, how do we think like? What more do they have to offer? Well, we can't really speculate on that now, can we, Jason? Because well, we're between one and two. Well, but I mean, that's that's there. That's a good discussion. Well, I am happy for a number of reasons, and the only not the it's not only because it means that our our podcast goes on for longer. Mm-hmm. Is is that I? Part of me is just like, oh, this is great. There's more of this show that I love, but I do always have a worry that a show that hangs around long enough becomes a show that I'm like, eh. Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. I've never subscribed to the theory that I've heard, which is that The Simpsons has another golden age somewhere in the 20s, you know, as far as seasons goes. But for me, you know, that that period that I will always turn back to is seasons 3 through 10. Uh, You know, they're... I was even having rewatched uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I had forgotten how bad some of those season six and seven episodes were. You know, it went it went and hit this this like season three through five of being this amazing show that I, I, I think is some of the best writing in television to season six and seven where there are some good episodes here and there and then some like oh like what Troy's pregnant now? Mm-hmm. I mean what Yeah. <laughs> So, I think even maybe, though that was in season four, still. this is me just spitballing here. Feel free to disagree. I disagree. But, okay, <laughs> but I feel like why The Simpsons is not going to have another golden age is because now the writers are writing what they think makes a good Simpson episode, as opposed rather to, than just what is what is makes a good yeah, what's good writing. And I thought about that when I was listening. To Chris on Saturday night doing his presentation before being sure. John Malkovich. Like those are writers who are steeped in like the Vonnegut and the absurdist authors and humors. Mm-hmm. Whereas the writers who they have now, who I don't know personally, and for all I know are just as wonderful and educated as the ones that came before, mm-hmm. but maybe they have all they have 
20 years of expectations that I'm sure they've fallen way short on now. And they just want to say, well, this will make a good episode or this seems clever for the time um, where um, at least me and then at least in the first 10 years, they actually had like this, these grand ideas, these absurdist ideas, these commentaries At, at least. And when you look at maybe another season of the good place, Michael, Sure, and Kristen Bell have even said there is a defined end. Right, Michael Shore has, has well, Kristen Bell has said that sh- that Michael Shore has said, but yeah, that he had an arc in mind of where this was going to go from the beginning. So, so, and as someone who like, as someone like me who, anytime there's a sitcom that I really really like, the fact that it's made it this long, mm-hmm. um, like surprises the crap out of me, but then when like how are they gonna how are they going to sustain this? But you know, theoretically, George Lucas had an arc in mind when he made Star Wars. Also, you know, I I have I have a problem with that a little bit. Like, can can anybody pull it off in an arc that long? You know, like like let's like the Gilmore Girls, a show that I love. Um, <laughs> I saw you make a face. No, I just I just watched this a few like a couple maybe last year or the year before. Yeah. So I just I missed the Gilmore Girls, the Golden Age. I revisited as an adult. Well, I visited for the first time. As I, an adult. I I watched it because of Janelle actually. That was uh, I I knew that there were people and in it were, that I enjoyed, and there was music in it that I loved, and and it, there were some parts, but like the um, the. Right, the when the when Amy Sherman Palladino left the show, mm-hmm. like before the seventh season, she supposedly had had an ending in mind for that also. Which is that what she executed in the Netflix series? Because if it is, then you know. So I, I have a brief aside before you go. Okay. So I'm um, thinking about the golden. An aside Gloves. to the aside. Yes. Yeah. So, I, this episode has been one long aside. <laughs> right, right, right. So thinking about the Golden Globes, because I got into a couple of Twitter discussions. I can't about watch this. award shows anymore. I, I, and I didn't, and I'll be perfectly honest. I did not watch the Golden Globes, but I am aware that the Good Place did not win. Oh, it's bullshit. Yes, and the Kaminsky Method did. What? So I watched the Kaminsky method and, and one comment I have watching Alan Arkin and Michael Douglas and their scenes was great. If you pull them out of it, it's a shit show. Right. So I, so the reason why this led into the saw is like, I have watched five minutes of the fabulous, the marvelous Miss Maisel, which is a Amy Sherman Palladino show. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what Kristen is watching. Yeah. It's quality. Like the five minutes I watched of that show were the funniest five minutes I experienced for most of the week. Kristen's watching it while she's on maternity leave, so she'll hold baby Tucker and laugh along to fifties Jewish humor. Um some of the best. Yes. And mm-hmm. the fact that and I laughed more in five minutes on a um on a sh- on a show that makes me laugh more than anything that Chuck Lorre has ever done in his career. Yeah. <laughs> Among the many other tragedies that occurred by the the many crimes the Hollywood Foreign Press committed that evening. <laughs> it was not awarding the good place. It was not well not even just awarding the it wasn't so much that they did not award the good place, which they should have. But I would have been happy if the Marvelous Miss Maisel had won, even because 
it seems to be a very wonderful written show. Well, that, and they had just come off the back of winning an Emmy not that long ago. Yeah. Right? And, but, um, but I guess my that, side was is, that it's is, funny. Jason, you're looking at this all wrong. You guys, Golden Globes, they're passe. That's over. Well, but this is exactly why, and we, yes, this is a good segue. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to the good segue, um, oh, that could be a good, <laughs> that's a, that's a. I uh, see what you did there. That's a yeah, segment. Did you see how well <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a segment that, you know, we can have the good segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to work with me here, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But this is, I just want to say, because I, I haven't probably uh, talked about my loathing for award shows enough. I have, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. This, this is why, you know, they, they vote safe. Something like the Kaminsky Method can win because... It had Michael Douglas and, and Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. They, you know, it got an award for the same reason I watched it pretty much, which is because there are these icons in there, mm-hmm. you know, and these icon guest spots with Elliot Gould, who was fucking awesome. In oh it. God! But um, it's it was it was it was just meh writing, mm-hmm. meh writing that was elevated to something that I enjoyed based on the performances. Mm-hmm. That. That's something that will get an award versus something that that actually has some substance that actually manages to make a a a comedy out of some you know very serious situation and circumstances and you know does something that does something. We'll mm-hmm. just leave it at that. The Good Place does something. Marvelous Miss Maisel does something. Yes, I agree. And that shows like the the shows that you mentioned do something whereas chuck Lorre shows sitcoms as you were again back bring it back home like i have never <laughs> seen more than part of an episode of the big bang theory and but it horrible. ran for how oh, long I, get, I can't even talk it's, how it long skewers it net nerd culture to such a point that like i have i have a personal issue with that show yeah mm-hmm. yeah i have no issue with it other than i i i just don't care yeah, so that's the thing. I don't care. Uh, you know, I, there there are funny things to it. I'm sure. For some reason, that's the show that my mother will zone out on. So mm. when mm-hmm. I have had situations with her where she is vacating the room mentally but physically present, mm-hmm. Big Bang Theory is playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and again, so, like I'm not. Yeah, I don't think people who like that show are. Like, oh, they're going days. to the bad place. Oh, Basically, well. they're 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 this um, generation's uh, like uh, people who I liked some of friends. <laughs> no, it's just the thing. It's just I don't want. Even, it's, I'm, I'm with you. I'm friends to a degree. There's just and that's okay. I watched that was my mom's. That show was back another then. show that went on too long. By yeah. the way, it was another one of those things. It's another one of my mom's shows. Mm-hmm. It's cool. That's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not blasting judgment. I just mental. I cannot mentally process it. I yeah. feel like I'm. Something in me is dying when I'm watching it. So you were going, you were talking about a segue. The good segue. The good yes. segue. Did you see Somebody how Car- Carly's is, aiming for my spot? Do you I'm see just that? saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. We don't want anybody who's going to put me back on task. No, no. <laughs> I'm here for one episode only, gentlemen. I'm just here this one time. We already have podcasts already, I have, Carly. I have podcasts. This is all I have. <laughs> we're just, I'm just here this one time. It's just for this one thing. I thought it would be fun. You can replace have... me. I host like 15,000 podcasts. <laughs> no, no. My, my schedule is chock full of nuts here. So don't worry. Uh, but I thought it would be a good idea. Like, 
uh, you know, we at Yabium do awards every January, and it's our way of acknowledging, yeah. you know, the music from the previous year, uh, from the community that really stood out for us, or, mm-hmm. you know, those moments from the year that really stood out for us. And it was kind of one of those years where, uh, you know, we had a lot of work and The Good Place was there for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had you gentlemen to help comment on it. And we thought it would... And then... But Janet really, Darcy Carden as Janet, really took us to another level this year. Her performance was stellar. And we thought the Golden Globes might shaft her on this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just thought Arizona should say no. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't care about your fancy trophy from the Golden Globes. You know what? We can do better. Mm. As a community, as an arts community, the Phoenix arts community can do better. Mm-hmm. Let's make her our own trophy. The home of Eleanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which also happens to be my dog's name. So, <laughs> like, if I had a daughter, I would have named her Eleanor. Uh. And instead, I had a child. Instead of a child, I went with a dog. And so she's Eleanor. I and think dogs so- are better. No offense. Yeah, I'm, we're glad Jason. you're raising the next generation. Humans are important, yada, yada, yada. But <laughs> dogs... Are they? Yeah. Uh, for artists, <laughs> you know, we choose other things. We're choosing other paths. I mm-hmm. um, I, There are some days where I'm with you. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so Again, to Carly's I, point... This lives on forever. No, no. And I love... <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I love, my, I love both my sons, even though one kind of smiles and poops a lot and the other one is two um so like so a couple nights ago um kristen my wife went to see hello dolly at gamage mm-hmm. and uh so i took care of both kids and um one would not stop crying that would be my two-year-old uh-huh. <laughs> and the other and would just would not was always hungry and just for a very, about two hours, it was just complete insanity. Mm. Okay, so segue. Yeah, that would yeah. be my bad place. Yeah. That right there is my bad place. Uh, and yeah. then... Uh, I, I big, don't big relate to small people Playing in the background. Well. And That's then, the only thing on television. <laughs> two then, children and Big Bang Theory. So finally, my newborn goes to bed. Like, like actually goes down. And I am just beat, tired. And I probably... Kristen gets home and I'm tired and i got probably like bags of cheese that's all over the couch and like, Jason, wake up wake up wake up like oh man i'm so tired <laughs> like two hours and i've like used up all my energy i'm like how do you do this every day <laughs> you're amazing no i two of my friends one of my friends proposed to another friend in the backyard my house and i had to keep their daughter quiet during this thing she's like six months old and it's just like a drooling sack of flour that you're bouncing around like cooing at and Mm -hmm. i was like five minutes of that Mm -hmm. no muscle tall for them but you know at that when if you've got a child already what's the point yeah i love my nephews i'm obsessed with my nephews they're great Mm -hmm. why we we explore you know parking garages and go on adventures and werewolf hunting and all sorts of things uh but they can they can like have a cognitive conversation like fully formed sentences here Mm -hmm. and and before the fully formed sentences part i would complain to them like when are you going to get older like this is okay Mm -hmm. even when they'll baby talk now i'll be like you know i just i'm gonna need you i'm gonna need you here if we're going to be talking for the rest I, of the well, day. Well, I, I think that amongst my many, many deeply rooted fears about having an offspring and why that would be a terrible idea for me uh, is is that they wouldn't like my stuff and I would never be able to connect with this person. 
Oh. Or you could see, I think that's how my dad feels. Because ah. he's <laughs> like he's like he doesn't like Barry Manilow. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't like But the Copa. <laughs> Copa Cabana. You're just you're just feeding into him. He's gonna love you more anyway, Jared. He's gonna come here next week. He's gonna be like well, no, I get to meet your friend Jared. <laughs> um, but I, never I dad, because you're going to love him we're more. We're Facebook friends now, right? I, yeah, I, so. I, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe I grew up in a weird space where, because like I don't, I was uh, my family didn't like the stuff that I liked. My mm-hmm. friends didn't like the stuff that I liked. It was just when I started writing about things that I liked that other people were like, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty good stuff there. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until I became like a you know, music journalist or started writing mm-hmm. about music and arts and culture that I realized that other people might be interested in things that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So I'm a nice, hard, thick callus to what other people think about the things that I like. So I'm, I still assume people have no interest in what I'm interested in, which is why I do so many podcasts on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I've, I realize that my son's going to grow up and he's going to hate all the stuff that I like for a while. Just, to rebel and eventually sure. he'll come around. I'll be dead by then. Um, but I assume he'll get. But he'll connect with you he'll connect in with podcast me. form. Yeah. So, and I really just want him to get older so I can just get him into the stuff that I liked when I was a kid. I have to say, I this mean, is that's... way darker than the mortician's daughter. <laughs> Like, you know, that's a monthly meditation. So you had an award. <laughs> this is the, that was a monthly meditation on the cob, but you two are some uh, some dark thinkers here. <laughs> constantly going back to death and the total lack of hope in the world and yeah. do you guys you guys should hug more? Yeah, you, you know what? Hugs. I'm not I'm uneasy with a lot of physical con- I'm not contact. surprised by that in the least, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised at all there. But uh but think about it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start hugging now. Yes, no, so we wanted to make an award for <laughs> where award show again? shows what were we have failed us. <laughs> yes, I, I love this idea. And mm-hmm. so uh, we, we thought Yabium and What the Fork should team up. Mm-hmm. For a crossover event. For a crossover event. <laughs> and acknowledge maybe somebody this year who made 2018 a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was lot, fucking hard. Yeah, it was a rough year, and we all needed to laugh a little more. And like, mm-hmm. oh my god, <laughs> maybe have a little more fun with it. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, we did make an award for Darcy Carden for her portrayal of Janet, and it is a beautiful award. By it, the way. it is actually it a is, beautiful. Yeah, we were going to schlub this up. <laughs> we're not giving out a schlubby award for the portrayal. Arizona can do better. <laughs> no matter how many jokes you make about Phoenix, it's a good town. Mm-hmm. And we can do good things here. Sure, yeah. And one of them is this award for Janet. Now, in truth, we didn't know what to say on it. Mm-hmm. And I thought about calling you guys, but <laughs> but I found the answer I would have taken too long that. to decide. It was just like, yeah, and now that I know mm-hmm. how indecisive you both are, individually, <laughs> I'm not calling you for anything. But it was like, you know, best actress is so cliche. Best comedic performance. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was high in contention. Mm-hmm. But then we were at a friend's house. Um, and it's actually two musicians that are in a band together, uh, the band JJCNV. Mm. And so, uh, and they're married. And so the husband, Pete, gave his wife, Dana, a trophy that just, that says, you know, has her mm. name on it and then says, winner. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, yeah, that is exactly what we're going with. You know what? Because Darcy Carden's a winner. Yeah. Janet really helped us last year. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a nice anchor. Yeah, it really I, was. In an otherwise dark time, she was a buoyant light. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we try to uh, express that in trophy form. Thank you, Sun Devil Trophy, for your assistance on that front. Um, but... Uh, that was Sun Devil Trophy? Yeah. Sun Devil Trophy. Yeah, Sun no, no. no. <laughs> That's our first sponsor, Dan. Uh, I know it. <laughs> well, they didn't, you know, it was not really sponsors, but they're friends. And mm-hmm. so they helped and us. And neighbors, right? Friends and neighbors, yeah. yeah. So they helped us pull Well, they did together. a lovely job. They well, really Mark, did. Mark did the trophy himself. But, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So we, we come from a, a multitude of talents at the... Mark comes from a long line of trophy makers. No, no, no. He's, he's from a long line of all sorts of makers. Makers of all things. Makers of, best. makers of noise. If somebody maker. had given me a tub of Lego, I might have been able to make a Lego award for A Lego award. <laughs> Is Legos your specialty? That that was my toy. Yeah. That and Transformers. Wow. <clears throat> Transformers. Mm-hmm. Which have you, if you haven't seen bookish. Bumblebee yet. Yeah. See, that's what I was trying to get my nephew to go see with. I was it like, was go see this, fun. and he was like, oh, I don't know. It's, it's a it's a really up. good eighties movie. Mm-hmm. I it, it it you know it's it's de- it definitely put me in a in a time and place that I wanted the the other films in the, the least, in the franchise. It's the least grown up of them too. I think that's it, why I like yeah. about it. It's got. That childlike sense of wonder throughout. It's it's got that that kind of. There's a little bit of a of of a John Hughes quality to it. There's a little bit of a of a oh um like a war games kind of. I, I would I would mm-hmm. say that's actually probably a pretty apt uh, apt comparison. Would be yeah, like war a games. war games kind of thing. I love war games. War games is yeah, great. Would you like? I don't to know. Play it was funny. Game? So yeah. what? Was there a movie the that you Navigator. watched repeatedly as a child that was kind of defining in your character? Because we 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 recently investigated this in our household and like really put some time into thinking about this question. Oh, there are several. There are several. There's Back to the Future. Okay, but like one that you one. watched like that like it would have been like somewhere between five and seven years old that you watched intently that might have had more of a shaping presence in your life than you initially oh, might have understood. The never-ending story. I had a... Uh, hmm. I, I mean, you... Because at first I was like, oh, um, probably Flight of the Navigator or The Journey of oh, Natty Gann. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. The Journey of yeah. Natty Gann was pretty big for me. And then, but when I really thought about it, when I stripped away the obvious, mm-hmm. when I got down to the heart of it, I was like, you know, I used to watch this Tom Selleck movie called Her Alibi. Oh yes, <laughs> constantly. Yes. Yeah, and so we. My I husband thought you might have gone for this. Runaways, but um. my hu- my husband and I got this in you know VHS. Thank you, Zia, uh-huh. or D- DVD. Um, oh wow, it made it to dollar ninety nine. Huh? Wow. Yep, Tom Selleck, uh, Paulina Porchikova, mm-hmm. where he plays a crime fiction novelist. Yeah. Who well, provides a film. false alibi <laughs> for a uh, was it Ukrainian a Russian mm-hmm. circus performer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, provides a false alibi. Who's she's accused of murdering her lover? And William is it the guy who voices Kit? Um, he's and he's Hoffman's dad in The Graduate. William oh, Daniels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some, he's the agent. For some <laughs> oh, yeah. reason, I was allowed to rent this constantly as a six-year-old and watch it uh-huh. to no end so that's where i realize a lot of my mm. false notions came from like novelists could make a living mm-hmm. and uh yeah you know the the the, the noir sense 
uh, to the world around me. Uh, I have no fear of clowns, and I'm I'm obsessed with like running away to the circus. That's I mean that's pretty interesting. It's you have you got to get you got to go deep. You got to think like what was I too young to block out that affected me. (laughs) I really I really like that movie. And there's see, a Randy Newman song at the end that I really dig, too. See, now, I'm surprised at how much you guys know about this movie, because usually it's a dead wall when oh, I talk no. about it. I'm, and I know I, Runaway, I feel that too. way if Runaways, yeah. yeah. I feel that way if uh, if I bring up Quigley Down Under. Um, oh, Quigley Down Under is quite <laughs> No, that's good, too. <laughs> see, now, I could see... Now, if most people say the never-ending story, I'll be like, well, that's obvious, and you're yeah. probably just mm-hmm. drawing from the air. But you two, I would believe, because you were some dark motherfuckers here. And so the, the art... Art tech, art, the, art, oh my God, the one time you don't want to draw a blank, mm-hmm. um, the horse. Oh, art tax. Art tax. Yeah. I, I did say it, and then I backtracked mm-hmm. from my answer. See, I, I have to think about that because probably so the things that crushing that film is crushing. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. But I was like, I was like Bastion, where I would just just read a fuck ton. And just hope that somehow, like, I would just escape whatever mundane thing I was doing. I don't know. I just, the whole, the approach of the nothing to me was so, the, yeah. so monumentally existential at a time when I could not fully understand. It was just overwhelmingly sorrowful. Mm-hmm. That, the horse, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, a lot of, I could see you guys being, like, way too attached to this at an early age. Well, so. I was, like I said, I was watching her alibi. I, I probably the thing is that the the films that I watched the most probably as a kid were um, Return of the Jedi and Back to the Future. Those were in in like constant heavy rotation. But if I think about something, do you have an older sibling? Or I'm the oldest. You're so the oldest. yeah. What I saw, I mean, I probably would have to say Annie Hall. Because I saw that at a really young age, and like that's I, I probably saw that when I was <laughs> when I was like five years old, and I would not have gotten that at, at any of the context of the, any of the, like the subtext of the sure. relationship. But there was something about you know the the interplay of Diane Keaton and Woody Allen together. And the his his neuroticism. There was just there was something that I connected with then that never left. <laughs> it was like, especially even though I didn't fully get the meaning of it until later. But the the whole conversation that they have with um, and and I'll, I'll explain a little bit why because it may sound like I'm making this up, but it's not. So here here here's some of the why. Like the the idea of like I, I always felt like I had trouble and I continue to this to this day despite the fact that I talk nonstop is that I have a lot of trouble conveying what's really on my mind. And so the scene where Woody Allen and Diane Keaton are talking to each other, but what they really mean is in subtitles underneath. You know? Of course, later in life, I realized, oh, yeah, that's a, a great, you know, uh, you know, depiction of, of, of relationships. Because, you know, especially when you're first courting somebody, you know, you, you want to seem one way, but really you want to know if, if they're interested in sleeping with you. Um, 
but then also the part where um where Woody Allen goes to Diane Keaton's family for Thanksgiving and this and there's the famous shot of of how Grammy Hall sees Woody Allen, you know, as this very you know, Hasidic rabbi type, you know, like even though he's not dressed that way, but you see him through her eyes and like how there's the struggle for him to fit in. And I always had, I, I often felt that way in school as, um, especially in the kind of like middle-class neighborhoods that we grew up in, there were not a lot of other Jews and it was kind of, um, there was that. And then also the, the the kind of like outcast feel of it for some reason that spoke to me even though I wouldn't really understand everything that was in it until much later so that's I guess that's that's my film yeah. that I saw too young that stuck with me forever huh. yeah well I think I we all know what my movie is too because Chris brought, but uh, I watched Chris called me out on it huh <laughs> Chris called me out on it he. So at the thing, uh, other than never ending story, yeah, you know, Chris called me, uh, mentioned Jerry Maguire. Yes, he did that on purpose. Yeah. Oh, he did. That was that was actually a dig. He he did he admit later that that was he admit later that was a dig at me. <laughs> is this a previous episode or is this a Twitter? No. Oh, so no, no. so Jason famously loves Jerry Maguire. Like insanely, I insanely like unabashedly, like, unironically loves Jerry Maguire. It mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do. So I, I worked in a movie theater growing up in the mid nineties, um, and it was a second run theater. So if there was something that was popular, like it would just play for months and months and months. And Jerry Maguire played for months and months and months. And I was a projection, so I had to watch it over and over <laughs> and over again. And I just, I fucking love it. <laughs> I cry every time I watch it. Not at the end where Renee Zellweger says, shut up, you had me at hello. I cry when Cuba Gooding Jr. and Tom Cruise hug at the end. Because <laughs> um, it's just a beautiful bromance. Yeah, um, I just, I guess I'm just like soulless or heartless or something. Just the the soft spots just don't get me. Hmm. Titanic didn't get me. Yeah, uh, no, Titanic of, doesn't get me. There were a lot of like... I just I don't know. I cry at the give every time I read the Giving Tree to my son. Okay. I mean, because I mean, the kid's a little jerk until the end. Oh. Um, when he's old. God, I'm trying to think about what really gets me. Wow! Total silence. That's <laughs> no, no film-wise. <laughs> no, no. I don't know what really gets me. There's there's music that really gets me. Sure, um, I, that's um, I can think of more examples of. But. But film, that's an interesting question. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, like, uh, yeah, and I, I know there are instances of that, of but Fibiria, I'm having, I don't really know what, what makes me break, what really hurts. Well, what, what but, has started to get me is, is where somebody is just like, is just open. Like if somebody is just like just bearing themselves in front of, uh, especially in front of another person, there's something about that, especially if it's pulled off in a way that feels honest. Oh, see, I do mm-hmm. see this face. Uh-huh. 
that happens in real life too. Yeah. So um, the I'm sh- sorry. The mm. Shape of Water, I think, and that was the last movie where I just unabashedly bawled, and only, and that's because for me, watching Guillermo, like knowing Guillermo del Toro's love of movies and how mm-hmm. he uses them to express himself. Have either of you seen the movie? I have not seen okay. it. Okay. So there's a scene in the movie where she brings this creature home and he finds refuge in a movie theater and they're watching an old horror movie and the creature is finally like happy after, cause he's been writing from Michael Shannon for about half an hour. Mm. And I felt like it just kind of came over me like, this is, this is Guillermo del Toro expressing how he feels about movies in the scene. He's the monster in a movie theater and he's happy. And I just was like, Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> and I just started bawling and even moonlight. Um, that's how me and Bar, I think probably me and Bar Vandenberg started to bond a little bit because mm. I am unabashedly love that movie. I, I was not, I, I love that movie because does, I feel an honest portrayal of Barry Jenkins's life growing up hmm. and the ghettos in Miami um, as a gay man. And I just was like, I, 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 it felt honest and real to me. So I, I, I respond to that usually in tears. <laughs> I always cry during Queer Eye. Really? As you should. Yeah. Hmm. That's the one thing. Hmm. And so I don't want to seem like, it's not like that I'm heartless. Hmm. It's. I would think of it as more like a British reserve. Okay. Okay, because the side of me that is not Jewish is like puritanical British. Mm. You know, that that whole, we came here from England on a boat so we could be Quakers. <laughs> so the whole other side is very reserved. Okay. And so like an, a very open display of vulnerability and emotion that's not like just expressed with the eyes and a, mm. you know, a firm set of the jaw. You know, uh, yeah. I usually it, it it has to it it's it takes a special thing for me. I see. It's like an example of something that gets me every time I watch it, even though I know it's coming. Is that scene in in Magnolia where Julianne Moore breaks down in the pharmacy? Oh yeah, and just oh yeah, that's really it. that one's really good. <clears throat> yeah, that's really um. I think that that scene, well, that scene, for one, like that whole movie is just. Then there's John C. Riley looking for the gun. Oh yeah! Oh man! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. In that movie too, just Where, yeah. there are a lot of painful mm-hmm. moments in that. Yeah. yeah. That that bastard like, genius Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, like who's married to uh, Maya Rudolph? Who's in the good place? <laughs> And even in Punch Drunk Love, like um, when he has that piano, that organ. Yeah. Oh, there's some real awkward moments yeah. in that mm-hmm. too that I've just, like I said, I'm not going to cry. I'm just going to make that face. That sure. I, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> even, even, either, in, even in Boogie Nights, when he's sitting in the car after he just got shot at by Alfred Molina. Oh, yeah. And he just realized, like, I have, like, gone so far off the rails. Yeah. yeah. And he comes, 
And he comes back to Jack just asking for forgiveness. Yeah. I love, like, I mean, it's the only time that a por- movie about porn is ever going to make me cry. <laughs> um, there are some porn films that might make you cry. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> not because it makes me feel pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I actually, we, we actually have almost gone two hours, so I want to wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> but I do want to, since we're talking about John C. Riley, mention how much I want to see his portrayal of, uh, uh, is he Oliver Hardy? He, um, Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. So Stan Laurel, is mm-hmm. he Stan or is he Oliver? He's, he's the fat one. Yeah, he's the fat one. But I just watching him kind of. <laughs> Like the the little bits that I've seen, and I haven't actually seen anything with sound, but just kind of watching his performance mm-hmm. in the the trailers of mm-hmm. his ability to kind of uh, of have this sad visage while he is trying to make people laugh, it looks just like an incredible performance. Have you Did listened you to him the Steve sing? Coogan interview yeah. on Marin? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he sings Mr. Cellophane in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's so, why that movie should have won Best Picture. That that was, oh, it did for me, picture, the, didn't it? that was the moment of that film. Yeah. yeah. He's he's an incredible performer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I was always more of a Marx Brothers fan than a Laurel and Hardy fan. So. <laughs> that's that's something that I saw at a young age that also stuck with me. We had a I saw... Um, I saw... Uh, <laughs> Night of the uh, Night at the Opera, pretty young, and I saw um, Day at the Races, and those two, and then then I saw Duck Soup a little bit later. But those two, I was really young when I saw that, and those like those films that I was seeing really informed my sense of humor a lot. Those the Marx Brothers and the Woody Allen stuff, and the you know seeing the 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 Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant stuff, that fast talking mm-hmm. like His Girl Friday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's what really informed my sense of humor a lot. And Billy Wilder for me, which I mean, not to go back to Jerry Maguire again, but a lot of that movie is. But how can you not? <laughs> that movie is inspired a lot by conversations Cameron Crowe had with, with Billy Bill, Wilder. Bill Wilder, and how much he like liked his work, um, like in some like it hot in the apartment. Sure. Yeah. Um, again, yeah. great films. The apartment is a fantastic oh, film. God. Um, but let's, let's go ahead and, and, and put a pin in this and, yep. and, 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 and wrap it up under two hours oh and let's, um, which every time I look at the time, I'm surprised. This is how we do these marathon shows yeah. is that we just go on riffs and I look at the timer and I'm like, wow, that we've been talking for that long. And we've talked about five minutes of the episode. But um, we weren't talking about Yeah, but Darcy Carden, if you're listening, have your people call my people, I'll get you a trophy. Yes. Yep. So there's a trophy going to Darcy Carden, winner. And uh, where, what, what, what would you like people to know and follow for you and Yabium? Oh, my. Wow. Well, you can go to yabiumwest.com, mm-hmm. kind of get a whole overview of our work there. Mm-hmm. We also do a number of podcasts like... Uh, Prize Fighting Kangaroo. Prize Fighting Kangaroo, my which, favorites. Is, which is a movie and cinema mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mortician's Daughter, mm-hmm. which is a 15-minute monthly meditation on the macabre. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, hey. 
Do you have another podcast coming up? Perhaps and a fictional do. one of sorts? We have a new podcast coming out this year called Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. Yay. Yay. That is a uh, science fiction space noir serial drama. Which sounds awesome. I'm really looking yeah, forward to it's that. It's going to be uh, six episodes long, and we'll be doing that later this year. So we're really excited to have that come out. Now, Very I heard cool. approximately one minute of this podcast. I got to well, we actually have was... two episodes yeah. in the can right now as we speak. We're finishing the third one this coming weekend. We had I, we had a bit of an issue with our, our sound engineer. It had a had an oh. injury, and so it kind of threw off our production schedule. Gotcha. But um, it's sounding really good so we're really excited to share that when it's available i'm sure we'll be in touch with you i have a stitcher premium membership and so now i have access to all these old bbc uh radio shows and i was re-listening to for you know the umpteenth time but it's probably been about 10 or 15 years since i listened to it but the original hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy <laughs> radio show yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so listening to that i'm like i i could use more of that sort of serial audio uh you know with the special effects in the background and all that yeah i i love that stuff so i'm really looking forward to it yeah me too we'll have a humdinger for you nice and uh yeah, what uh, you can follow everything at What the Fork Pod. Mm-hmm. Um, I we have for sure a Twitter account, and I think we have an Instagram account that I'm bad at at updating. We have an Instagram. Do we? Do we? I do- <laughs> Shit. We definitely have Twitter at What the Fork Pod. Oh, I know <laughs> Twitter. And, and <laughs> we have. Uh, you can email us What the Fork Pod at gmail dot com, and uh, you know. Don't All be like Carly. Interact with us. Please, yeah. <laughs> Was I not interacting? No, you were interacting. No, you were Just fine. Don't but... listen to Jason. <laughs> but but you're not... In, we want people to interact with us as they're listening to the show. So email us tweet at us do all that kind of thing so what, so I'm, we uh, i'm giving you a hard time he is, oh, is that what's he's giving you a hard time so <laughs> we're wrapping this up under 10 under two fucking hours all right so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah we'll be back in probably just a couple of weeks uh, to start season two we're gonna really be diving back in mm-hmm. starting in february so look forward to that. In the meantime, recommend us to your friends and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us anywhere you listen to us. It all helps out very much. Season two is going to be fun because I, as, I de- as I declared on Saturday evening, I am going to start reading Infinite Jest. Yeah, I, I think, well, we, we're... Uh, I am not. <laughs> I might trying listen to it. to end the show in under two <laughs> hours and by, at the very... Wa- at the, at at the, the wire, very he end. says, by the end of season, So by the end of season two, I should be five pages in. Probably, especially having two young kids. Well, if you could do all the yeah. footnotes at the same time, then definitely. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, that's, that's an undertaking that I plan to maybe tackle in retirement. Um, <laughs> if, if I should be so lucky. But yeah, thank you, of course, everyone for listening, and that's going to do it for us, and it's been so long since we've ended a podcast. I know. I'm How did Jason. we end it? How we end, like, so long, Fork Bites. Oh, keep it, uh, keep it sleazy? Oh, keep it sleazy, Fork Bites. <laughs> oh, man, it did not sound organic. <laughs> it did not sound organic. It did not sound organic. But yeah. All right. This has been a Hoon Waddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from hootandwaddle.com 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hoot and Waddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash Hoot and Waddle.